Hey everybody, what's up? It's Will, and I'm really excited today to have a couple of great dudes out in Colorado on the phone, Drew Hannes and Ross Cohen. Uh, they they co-own Sweet Cow Ice Cream. Started in Louisville, Colorado in 2010. They now have six locations. They're growing. They have a wonderful brand. They have a wonderful culture. Tons of very happy customers eat their incredible ice cream all the all the time. So they've made thousands tens of thousands by now people really happy over the years and they were kind enough both of them to share some time today and talk about their story so guys thank you very much appreciate it thanks for having me here yeah yeah all right let's go back to the beginning so what um why did you guys start sweet cow um i was uh scooping up ice cream in college i went to see school at cu university of colorado boulder and I got a job at a small uh, mom and pop ice cream shop. And throughout college, I just loved the environment, loved the idea of it. And after I graduated college, uh, I ended up running that company for seven years. And I, during that duration, I wrote in a lot of my journals and whatnot about what I wanted to do in my life. And it was to open up my own ice cream shop. So through the years, I studied and learned a lot about the industry, the food industry, uh, people and had the opportunity uh, in 2010 with the help of Ross and family and friends to go ahead and open up uh, Sweet Cow. Okay, so what what were some of the things you wrote in your journal all those years, Drew? What were some of the main things that um, were driving you to want to do this? Uh, well, first and foremost, it stood out the most and still stands true to today is that um, there's there's two types of customers that come to an ice cream shop, one that are having a good day. So you continue to enlighten their day. And the other is people who are not having such a good day and they kind of came in to turn their day around. Mm. So what a really cool part is everybody leaves with a smile. And it's one of the few environments that you could think of in the world where most people are pretty darn happy in an ice cream shop. Uh, and most people don't leave unhappy. So it's, it's about the environment. Uh, it's about really kind of passing on good vibes and smiles to the people around you. I hear you. I hear you. Did you guys, um, were y'all, did you believe you were going to start your own business one day as you were early in your careers? Did you have entrepreneurial streaks, um, already or, I mean, just, or is this something that just kind of over time you realize it was something you could do or help me out with that? I think Drew knew, uh, you know, right when he started working in ice cream, he's talked about it all those years. Myself, I took a little bit of a little different path. I, you know, Drew and I moved out to Boulder in 1991 together. He stayed. I left after a year. I went back. I finished college in Georgia, went to New York, did an 18-year corporate career. During that corporate career, I did have my own business, a software company at one point, um, you know, but it was always in the suit and tie. Drew, on the other hand, writing his journals like he spoke about and really just knew one day that this is something he wanted to do. Uh, it was just amazing when the, that opportunity came up. Uh, you know, he started it out in Louisville. And then I personally had the opportunity to come join them and really uh, grow it. And here we are uh, six years after I got here and we, we're now six shops, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Really I mean, cool thing, one really cool thing we'll jump in is um, when we kind of got the idea that this was going to kind of you know, kind of come to fruition. Um, I actually spent an entire uh, week in New York City visiting Ross and actually spent, uh, well, he went to work every day. I sat in the Whole Foods on the uh, second floor and literally sat and just 
just kind of wrote out the business plan and Ross would come home at night and we'd work on the financial plan. And it really, you know, the two of us over the course of almost two and a half to three weeks kind of knocked that out. Um, as Ross said, it, this is really just something I always wanted to do. Always wanted to open up one ice cream shop and with his help and other friends and family members to raise you money, we were able to open up our first sweet cow. How much did you have to raise initially? Uh, we did over a little hundred thousand dollars in cash, and we maxed out a couple credit cards in the, in my name, and kind of kind of got it almost all done under one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Under one fifty. Did you? Okay. So did you? Do, was it? Did you use debt or equity or some combination? Uh, or how we, did that work? We literally just reached out to family and friends members. Um, uh, we asked for at least five thousand dollars in cash and eight different people um, through in a variety of money, including uh, myself, and uh, we were able to make it happen. Okay, gotcha. But I mean, did you get like was it were they buying equity in the business or were they or was it they were yeah they were buying equity in the and and in, in the first shop in the first shop. Okay, yeah. I'm always curious about how you know the structuring of those things early on and and. Uh, did you guys, I mean, did you plan, was your plan to always grow or did you feel like the single unit economics would work for you or what was part of the, the, the plan for the long term? If, if I may, I know that, you know, when I was talking about it with Drew originally, I don't think there was really a plan. Uh, you know, Drew was in it. He was talking about scooping smiles and spinning milkshakes till he was 80. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's where he was going with it. He, he was going to be just the ice cream guy in uh, in uh, in Colorado here, which ended up in Louisville. Um, I don't think there were a lot of plans, but something really magical happened. And I saw it on my visits and Drew, obviously, you know, you were, you were right there, how Louisville really embraced Sweet Cow. Was there... Yeah, it had Sorry, real quick. You can tell, Will, that in our past industry experience, I was also I did a two and a half year stint at Noodles and Company and learned so much of that company. And I'll tell you this. What I think we learned after two, about a year and a half of being open in this really unique small neighborhood was that the, the shop itself had wheels. It wasn't just an anomaly in this one neighborhood. We realized that we could take this idea if you will and put it into another local neighborhood and that's when ross got involved and the idea was that he was going to come out to colorado and leave his suit and tie behind and we were going to open up a second shop and maybe a third shop and see kind of where it went was there um did you go to lewisville because there just wasn't any other good alternatives for ice cream there or how did you pick lewisville in the first place you know what we actually negotiated our first lease was uh was negotiating boulder we chose boulder we had this little area in boulder we love and we thought it'd be a great place in a great neighborhood and at the end of the day it fell through and ironically i had a friend of mine who was uh getting ready to open up a pizza uh restaurant in lewisville and he had a little extra square footage and i reached out to him on a monday and told him about my idea on Wednesday, I shared the business plan. On Friday, we had a handshake deal that he was going to let me take the 1,100 square feet uh, space in this building that was going to be part of a pizza restaurant. So we have this amazing synergy where we share a building. It's ice cream on one side and pizza on the other. And ironically, Will, um, about three years later, when we opened up our first shop in Boulder, it was in the same area and neighborhood and spot that we were negotiating to open up our first shop. So it kind of came 360. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So did you, um, I mean, what I got, okay. So ice cream, like there's a lot of ice cream shops. What did you think you could do 
that will be unique or special. I mean, there's so much competition already. Um, but here you are. It's clearly whatever you're doing is working really well. I know you use local ingredients, and I'd love to hear about that. But your culture's got to be really vibrant and critical to this because you've gone from one to six locations in eight years, and uh, your reputation is really, really good. You know, from all the research I've done. So, tell me more about that. You know, our mission is very, very simple. We, we strive, our mission is the best tasting ice cream, the friendliest scoopers, and the cleanest ice cream shop on the planet. And, you know, the best tasting ice cream for us, you know, it's we make it with love. Uh, yeah, we use local ingredients. We partner uh, with a lot of local companies, and we'll go into that in just a few. But I think that, you know, while our ice cream is great, it's a sweet cow experience as well. You walk into our doors, you're greeted by just the biggest smiles on the planet. Um, the way that we've taken care with the people that we've brought in to be on our side of the counter has been extreme, extreme care. And we have built a really wonderful culture. Part of our uh, you know, success, I think, in that realm is because we are in local communities. Mm-hmm. We're not in transient areas. We're not in downtown Denver or even on Pearl Street in Boulder. You know, we're in different places uh, where there are local schools, there are local restaurants, there's a lot of walking traffic. We have our customers come in multiple times a week. We're able to build rapport uh, with our community. And it's a really, really special thing that's helped us to succeed. Um, our ice cream, uh, it is off the charts good. I mean, Drew is an ice cream. How long have you been making ice cream now, Drew? Uh, I've been in the ice cream industry since college, so 20 of the last 24 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> And he's darn good at it, uh, you know, and, and actually, you know, the best I've ever met. And, you know, I sit there every day in Marvel and I, when I eat our ice cream every day, I have a big smile on my face knowing it's the best ice cream I've ever tasted. And I say that without, you know, bias. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, OK, no trade secrets, but tell me tell me just philosophically, like what, what are some of the important um, foundational aspects of the ice cream? Like, is it like you don't have any you know the ingredients are um local i know and um, what do you do that yeah. makes the ice cream really yeah. special i don't know enough about the science behind ice cream so um but i do know that when i go to the store if i buy ice cream for my kids and i bring it home and i see something that's got 36 different ingredients i go oh boy that's not good and then some that just have milk and cream and sugar are phenomenally better ironically but i'm just yeah. curious about that Absolutely. Well, you know, nowadays, a lot of a lot of the food uh, companies out there are going to as fewer ingredients as possible. And, you you know, the base of our is milk, cream and sugar. Our cows live in Colorado. Um, so everything is as local as possible. Obviously, our Oreos for our cookies and cream are not local, but um, our Earl Grey cookies are baked, you know, within a five mile radius of our shop. Uh-huh. Um, we definitely go ahead and look to source as many local ingredients that we can use and make sense for us. Um, one, I, you know, one is Ozo Coffee. Justin started Ozo Coffee Roastery uh, right around the same time we did a few couple of years before us. And we went to him and asked if we could use his coffee and our coffee ice cream that a local uh, neighborhood person recommended us to, to, to uh, Justin. And we went ahead and we sourced them. So we get our beans uh, roasted fresh, ground up. We soak them in milk and cream for 18 hours, strain them, toddy them, 
make our delicious coffee ice cream, which uh, the Ozo is actually probably Ross's favorite flavor out there on the board. It um, is. Uh, we do, uh, you know, we use local Colorado honey. Um, we source our spices locally from Savory Spice. Um, we just do that uh, to try and just build the best possible recipes. In addition, also, we, you know, if you want to look for a secret ingredient, um, it's love. I mean, yeah. we put a lot of care into our process. There's a, a freezing process. There's a getting the temperature, getting the ice cream to the right temperature process, all sorts of of magical things that can happen when you make ice cream and a small side note, will you compare it to a restaurant? Like what makes one chef better than another? It's not that they're better. It's just that they're doing it differently. They could be using the same ingredients, but the plate's going to look different. And I think that's the same with us and comparably to all the great ice cream companies out there in Colorado. Colorado is a, a really, if you really look at it as a whole, I believe there's nine if not 10 independent ice cream companies in the Denver area. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I want to add, you know, just that something we don't do is ever cut corners on ingredients. Mm -hmm. We go out and we find the best ingredients we can find. And we don't look at our financials and then decide what ingredients we use. We use the ingredients and, uh, and we invest in our ice cream. I'm going to give you a little bit of a fun story. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't fun when it was happening, but uh, so many years ago, uh, we have a wonderful dark chocolate chip that we use in our ice creams. And some years ago, the mold for our, who, for our supplier actually broke. And we were going to be without those chocolate chips, which are the staple in our mint chocolate chip and chocolate chip. We, we were going to be without it for six months or so or for many months. And it was a big problem. We didn't know what to do. We actually went out and we tried to find other chips and we started to make batches of ice cream. And it just wasn't up to snuff. Uh, we literally took mint chocolate chip off of our flavor boards for that duration of time, um, you know, because we refused to put up uh, a, a, a subpar product in our mind or just not as good to our standard. Man, I love that story. That's great. You wouldn't sacrifice the quality for anything. So this is those are great principles that you guys stand on. And, you know, you mentioned love being a part of the the, the process of making the ice cream. And you mentioned not looking at the financials and then making the decision, you make the decision and then you, you work around that. That's a, so you guys, it's, you know, I really, I really respect that. And I admire that we operate with similar philosophies, which is, uh, you, there's things you can measure like your costs and your, and things like that. Those are very measurable, but then there's things that are immeasurable, um, that oftentimes I think get overlooked. And when you're making decisions out of fear, you send, you tend to use all the measurables when you're making decisions out of love you use immeasurables and uh you do things like you're doing which is you go these you know uh, we're going to make the best ice cream and then we'll, we'll worry about the measurable stuff after the fact so that's a really cool way to run a business and that that to me and i'm just i'm articulating this only because i believe strongly that's a big part of why you, you all are successful i'm sure you would agree but for those listening that's such a huge piece of this it seems like everybody i speak to that does well in this industry operates from generally from the same type of philosophy yeah, it's true you have to you have to do something to sustain your business and you can't yeah. just always be the old school way of just looking about how to make money i think nowadays you're starting to find these local businesses boutiques restaurants they're really becoming part of the neighborhood and mm. 
You know, we say this with great pride, Will, that all of our shops, all of our locations are in these little nook of neighborhoods throughout Colorado. And we've really become part of the fabric of each community and neighborhood that we're in. And we become a destination where, you know, we could tell you stories of how a five-year-old kid is coming in on his first day after kindergarten. And now that same five-year-old is coming in after his first day of middle school in the sixth grade. Like that's the kind of relationship we've begun to develop with the neighborhood, with the families, with the people that live around our shops. Tell me about, um, tell me about then, because that's a, you know, that's a very intimate, authentic relationship you're building with the communities you're in and the people that, live there what I, I get that when you had one um and you and i get that when you came out here ross and you had two whatever you guys are there but now you've got six so you're clearly not there in the shop you're not the you know you're not going to be the 70 year old scooping the ice cream at one shop ross uh or drew but yeah. um what like how are you able to grow the business and continue to provide that same level of authenticity and that same level of, of, you know, fostering those relationships in, in the community. You are so right. You are so right. Um, you know, when it was one shop, pure magic, when it was two shops, pure magic, uh, Drew was in Louisville. I was here in the Denver Highlands. Uh, we actually were very close, closely tied to the community. Um, we were able to, you know, everyone that came in have a personal relationship with them. We each had every personal relationship with the local schools. 100% of all of our, the way we give back in our communities goes to local elementary and middle schools in those areas. Um, We had those relationships directly and it was very easy to do. As we've grown and now we have six shops, it becomes that much harder. So we have to work to actually create programs with our managers Mm -hmm. to go out and do the outreach in those communities. How do we still support and how do we still support local schools and and other businesses? Um, You know, it's a huge challenge. That said, we hire based on character traits. Hmm. Um, you know, we are looking for very specific people that are kind, respectful, driven, loyal, uh, you know, people that have certain character traits. We hire on those traits, on that personality before we look at experience. And because you can teach people how to scoop, you can teach people how to, how to do anything, but you can't teach people how to be kind. And when we're we're vying to have the friendliest scoopers on the planet and the best experience from the the second you walk in that door to the time you leave and the way you feel about your experience and and wanting to go back and wanting to be a part of that and knowing that we are a community business, um, you know, it's it's the utmost importance for us. Love it, guys. Love it. Well, let me ask you this. Now, there's a lot of. You clearly are both very passionate about what you do. Uh, you have your heart uh, in it. You've got soul in the game. Um, what's been the hardest part about the last eight years? You know, I would say as you grow, Will, you start to realize that, and you said it a moment ago, what happens when you're not in the shop? Mm. And it's about making sure that your teams really buy into the philosophy. And for us, it's the culture. How do we maintain and create a culture and sustain that every day? Um, and and that was that was a real question for us. How are we going to do that? And Ross, has, you know, said earlier that 
we really have taken steps to assure that that's present in our shops. I would say the thing we've learned the most over the last three or four years has been retention. In this day and age, in all the types of businesses, and there's so many opening job openings because so many towns are growing with new breweries and new restaurants and new retail and new living communities that need management. And it's, it's you're competing for people. And when you get those people in your room and working for your company, how do you keep them? Yeah. How do you sustain them on your payroll? So for us, it was really, we went through a, a, a period of almost 18 months, truly and honestly, where we weren't able to retain and hold on to the core management group. And it got, it gets a little harder too. When you go from three or four stores and you're only needing say four to six managers. And now all of a sudden we're at six locations and we determine we want two managers in each location. So our management team is 12 to 13 deep that that for us was our biggest hurdle and challenge. And it took us almost 18 months to finally reach uh, that point where we, we were fulfilling our goal of having two managers in every shop. So I would say employment and attrition of, of keeping, making sure that you have the retention of your, your manage your salary managers. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Cause I hear that. So I mean, what are some of the things you do? How do you, how do you, like, how do you keep them vested? And I always wonder that like, we have such a small team here at schedule fly. And so I've, you know, we've been fortunate, like I or fortunate, or I don't know, but I mean, we, we're all kind of, there's five of us and we're all very vested in it. And I get that. I, I have a hard time imagining bringing people in that would feel the same way about this business and experience our customers have that we do, which, which limits us because, you know, I mean, that's, I guess it's a thing of like learning to have trust for those people leading by example, but then giving up, you know, a little bit of control and and, and having trust. I find that to be a challenging concept, to be honest with you. So I can't imagine just with, you know, with your growth and the passion you all have, that that must be something that I, you've obviously overcome it and you figured it out. But tell me more about what you've been able to do specifically to get them and then the people you hire, I know they're great people and you're, you're looking for certain characteristics, but, uh, you still have to have people that really will treat it like you would, like it's your baby, right? It's, it's an incredible balance. It's really difficult yeah. to maintain or it's been difficult to get here and we're still doing it. We're learning every day. I think what we learned and what Drew, the experience Drew shared is that, you know, as you grow, we want to give more responsibility. We want to give more ownership to the managers in our shops. We want to make them feel like they're cont- contributing and that they're growing. Uh, you know, we, we want to be a place where if people want this to be their last job working at Sweetcow, we want to offer that opportunity. Drew and I know it's our last jobs, yeah. um, you know, and I think that, you know, with that come, comes where it's hard to let go. Uh, you know, we can go into a shop and say, we know what to do or, um, or we're going to essentially do something that we really should start to train other people to do or let people develop their own styles to do. Um, I think going ahead, what we learned is that we have to really lay out a plan for people. We've got to, you know, really show them what their role is and then show them how they're going to grow in that role. 
and give them an opportunity to flex their personality and flex their own style, um, as well as just offer a really positive environment. We're very fortunate because an ice cream shop is an incredibly positive environment. Yes, it is. Like Drew said, <laughs> Drew said before, the only kid, the only person that might leave unhappy is the kid that you know wanted a double scoop and only got a tiny. But you know, he's even happy. But. Uh, you know, it's an incredibly positive environment. Our people, uh, you know, ways that we look to create it. The other, the, you know, there's another stigma for managers in an ice cream shop because we're looking for people that are have a certain level of maturity and have a real drive and, and you know, for them to go ahead and even tell their peers or their parents, say, hey, I'm a manager in an ice cream shop. For some reason, that doesn't always fly as a, as a legitimate thing. And, you know, we know it's legitimate and we know at Sweet Cow it's legitimate and the skills that we have teach is are really going to propel them onto whatever they do next whether it's with us or or elsewhere um we think that you know we want to be mentors for the people that come in we are involved with our managers despite not being hand in hand on the floor all the time uh you know where we we do want to get to know our managers as best we can i think the difference when we had one or two shops is we knew every staff member whether they were a high school student or a college student or someone that was in a leadership role we knew everybody in in each shop and you know now with six shops it's it's a lot tougher where we don't you know we we meet people a little bit later in the game we don't have that same, we can ask some questions and create a bonding moment, but we're not going to have that strong bond that we have because we work with people for five or six days a week in the shop. Um, it's, it's a little bit different. And Will, I got to throw in here. It's really interesting. Ross runs so true. Like the ice cream industry as a whole has a little stigmatism, like it's not a real job. And I think someone who looked at our business model and who comes and works for us looks and realizes and learns that, we run this this company like any other food industry does out there. I mean, we have tools that monitor our inventories of ice cream. We have tools that do our own ordering and our systems for ordering and inventories. And our, obviously, you know, Schedulefly is a huge asset and tool for us to do our schedules for the convenience of our employees to be able to use the time off and the vacation and to send notes to each other and for our teams to have managers to be able to communicate with their teams. It's like we better ourselves by adding things into our company that give us throughput and flow and ease. Mm. And I think people would be amazed to learn how much depth goes into the ice cream and how, where we store our recipes and when we need to make a change. And when we have the, um, you know, in inner, uh, inner shop transfers, I mean, people are blown away. They, they just think it's an ice cream scoop on a cone and yeah. there's so much more depth to sweet cow than just the simplicity of a single or double scoop. It's an awesome adventure for both me and Ross. Got it, man. Love it, guys. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I could see why people would want to be a part of what you're doing. I mean, your your enthusiasm and your care for the product and the business is just, you know, it's contagious. So um, it makes a ton of sense. Um, the uh, Let me ask you this. When you, I want to go back to, um, one thing I meant to ask earlier, so forgive me, but this is an interesting question to me, is when you raised money early on, you had a business plan, were there th things that didn't go to plan? And I asked that primarily for the, the second question is, if somebody's looking to open a place, how much, how much reserve capital do you need on hand? How many months of it 
that you need so that if things don't go to plan, you're okay. Because you see that every now and then that folks uh, maybe don't have enough, haven't raised enough money on the front end, and you know they end up having to sure. close because they just didn't have enough legroom to get where they needed to go. Absolutely. And this is the strength of where me and Ross do such a good job of partnering together because we both have strengths and we both have weaknesses and we're able to use each other's backboards on both sides of the fence. And I had the luxury of working in the ice cream industry for almost um, nine, ten years before we uh, be, like, just through co- after college and such. And. Uh, what I learned was the real truth of what sales would be like. So when it came to design a business model, a financial model for the company, I was very true to knowing what a, what a cone costs, the cup costs, the spoon costs. I knew very well what the seasonality would bring in as far as customers and dollar-wise. We were very careful to put together and be responsible about what kind of sales would we really do versus what kind of sales would you like to do? And when we broke down the financial side of it, we made sure to include our rent being paid for six months. And we also wanted to make sure that our my salary was paid for the first six months. So when you talk about making sure you have enough capital, get past the first 60, 90 days, we actually designed the entire system. So we had enough capital to, to get through at least six, if not nine months. Like yeah. we wanted to make sure when we opened will that we had a reserve of cash in our bank that would pay the rent for six months and my salary for six months to make sure if anything went wrong. Let's say it was the hardest winter in Colorado that winter. And all we got was snow. Well, we wanted to make sure we could pay everybody. We also knew that by the time we got to April, we would be home free knowing how good the weather is out in Colorado. Um, and we simply just kind of uh, a handful of items added up to our success. One was, you know, we had synergy in the building with the pizza shop next door. Number two, we had a really good product. And number three, I think the outstanding culture and environment that that just happened when you walked in on day one. It was just it was it was amazing. And those three factors added up to our success of selling ice cream. But to go back to your point. Yeah, I would really encourage anyone who's looking to open up a business to really think about making sure your rent and your salary is paid for six months so you can go about your business and make the right decisions, not based on monetary reasons, but based on what is needed for the business. And then the last thing I'll throw in there, and everyone has a different way of raising money and such, but don't skimp on equipment. You're going to be better off buying brand new equipment because you're not going to be maintaining and fixing it in three, six, nine, 18 months. And and you mm. really want to make sure that you invest early on getting equipment because you won't break down. You won't have an issue. If we're making ice cream, well, and our freezer breaks, well, we're in trouble. We, yeah. we can't keep our ice cream cold. So we're not selling anything. So, so better not to lose two days of ice cream sales because I decided to try and save $1,500 by buying a used freezer. It just doesn't make sense to me why so many new businesses, when they go to open, take certain steps that they do. Like, don't pour money in making your bathroom look pretty. You know, don't pour money in having too many seats. Start with fewer seats, fill them up, and then through design of need, add more tables and chairs later. Like, don't start off with everything. Start off with the essentials so you learn and grow about what you might need down the road. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So grow grow as it is for demand, but then also to to the to your point, um, the essentials of the business that operate the business. You know, the, the in your case, the equipment. Don't skimp on that because that's got you. Got to get that right. You don't need to have anything that could cause you problems early on. I think we went. I think we went five years in Louisville before we had any type of uh, you know needed needed some help with any equipment at all. Okay, you're, you're gonna laugh, Will, but uh, we we had the same glass freezer for seven years, and we had the same cake freezer for eight years. We just replaced the two door cake freezer. And we expanded to a three-door cake freezer, and that two-door freight cake freezer is now a backup cake freezer in another shop for us. Oh, so cool. it's just being smart. And, you, and I'll say this. Another friend and restaurant mentor in the area taught me that the other line item you want to make sure you build in your business model legitimately is repair and maintenance. You know, he said to me, you should be setting aside $600 a month per shop. For, for, for repairs and maintenance. Yeah. Just, just have it built in your business model. That's $7,200 a year. You're prepared to fix and maintain or buy something new every year. That way, if once a year you're replacing something, if need be, or if you're just doing your PM maintenance or you, you, you maybe you, you, your filter or whatever it is you need, but build that into your line item in your business plan. Okay, gotcha. That's really good advice. That's excellent advice. Uh, yeah, you guys built in some good good margin and redundancy just in just in case. Well, uh, let me ask you this then, um, because we're talking about ice cream and we're talking about Colorado, and um, so what happens to the business during the cold months, ski season, and so forth? Uh, what do you guys do? You, do you change your menu any, or do you have different products you offer during that time of year, or do you just prepare for it being slower, or are you still able to maintain good business that time of year? We still maintain good business. I yeah. think, uh, you know, it, like we said, Sweet Cow is a destination, meaning yeah. in these communities, uh, you know, is it absolutely slower in the in the cooler months? It is. We're blessed here in Colorado with amazing weather, though. I'll tell you that. Um, November, December, January, February, you've got 50-degree days. You've got 60-degree days. Yeah. A couple of years ago, we had a record for snowfall in February, but simultaneously, we also had a record for 70-degree days in February. Um, you know, we've got you know, so weather, while it does turn cold, um, I, I heard it scientifically proven that ice cream tastes better in cold weather anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, you know, uh, you know, you can you can bet that, you know, we're still going to get the after school. We're still going to get the after dinner. Um, it's still going to be a stop on people's radars. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with us being in the amazing communities that we're in. And, you know, having the reputation in those communities. How do you guys pick the communities that you go to? Like, How do you know where you're going to open your next shop? Uh, you know, I think like, you know, as we've moved along, it's become a, a whole lot. It, it's a lot of feel because, you know, you go into a community. Do you see local businesses? Are there local restaurants that are that are flanking you? Uh, what are the schools that are closest to you? Um, you know, do you see a lot of walking traffic? Do you see a lot of biking traffic? Uh, these are the types of things we're looking at. And I think, uh, you know, drool test, you know, going and standing on the corner in a community on in the evening or in the daytime and checking it out and just feeling what it feels like. Um, and we've done very well in, with, with that strategy thus far. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's hard to replicate. Um, but you guys have a good sense for it and you've clearly, uh, figured out something. So, um, 
I say hard to replicate, hard for somebody else to replicate. You clearly are able to replicate. Yeah. You've done it six times now. But uh, and just to just to mention, our menu doesn't change. Our yeah. menu okay. is everything on the menu is ice cream. Even in the couple shops where we've offered a hot chocolate in the winter months, that hot chocolate was two scoops of our Dutch chocolate ice cream mm-hmm. in a shake up with a little milk and thrown under a steamer. So it, even our hot chocolate was I, our ice cream. We yeah. keep doing what we do best, Will. Like, if you're going to open up a sandwich shop, you should just be making sandwiches and not doing anything else, in my, in my small opinion. But I know people need to find avenues to create revenue. We've just stayed simple. we stuck to our business plan. There's only 12 things you can order on our menus, yeah. and those are the sizes. Those include the sizes. I mean, we don't sell soup. We don't sell coffee. We don't sell sandwiches. We just sell what we do well, and that's make really good ice cream. Well, yeah. Okay. Once again, I really relate to that of keeping, you know, keeping it simple and just taking a laser focus on what you do and doing it extraordinarily well versus doing a lot of things pretty well. Um, that's why you, that's why you're able to build, you know, a loyal following of customers. They know what to expect. It's consistent. They know they're going to get great ice cream. They're going to get a smile. They're going to get a a wonderful feeling when they're in there. And you're that's something that you can scale and replicate because it's, clean and it's simple and people know exactly what they're going to get so when it's time for ice cream where are they going to go you know they're going to go where who makes the best ice cream and makes us feel happiest and and you guys focus on that and do that really well um which is awesome y'all have a really cool story guys i'm i'm really uh thankful to have the opportunity to speak to you and we're thankful to serve y'all you've got just a great brand and um really enjoy learning from you we we thank you for those words well and and i and I, i truly mean this like Schedulefly has been an awesome tool for us uh, to, to grow as we've grown our business. And, you know, you guys even worked with us on this one spot where we were getting ready to do um, a labor model for uh, an entire year's worth of labor. And we didn't really know how to go about it. And we reached out to you guys about, hey, listen, could we set up where we were getting ready to open up a shop but it wasn't going to be open yet? But could we start ahead? and activate that shop and we use your scheduling tool to basically help build out an entire label model for our company i think it was for the year 2017 we did this at the end of 2016 it's just it's really fantastic to also partner with other great people vendors companies like yourselves we've actually valued so much will the the length of our relationship and how many years we've been using you and to the same to the same respect of how many years we've been using some of our same other vendors, our coffee vendor, our spice vendor. Um, you know, when we look at at the at starting off in our in our dairy, like we want to be able to create lifelong relationships through our business, and sometimes they even become friends and, and friendships. I mean, I know you live far away over there on the other side, on the East Coast in North Carolina, but I guarantee you, Will, if you and the team, and we lived in the same area, we'd be having a beer together. I mean, oh, that's, the, that's the kind of care we have as people. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was really nice of you to say. I really I appreciate that very much. That's kind of you. And we're just, I mean, we're very thankful to have the chance to serve y'all and so many like-minded folks that run great independently owned restaurants and businesses in the hospitality world man it's awesome and uh most everybody has very similar philosophy so it's a it's a 
it's a good just a good thing to be a part of. I will tell you this: we would be having a beer together, but more often though, we would be having my son Brooks. I've got three kids. My son Brooks. <laughs> I mean, literally, that dude would eat ice cream like he wants ice cream for breakfast. So I mean, I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Like, if we were anywhere close, uh, it would be like, dude, we we've already been to Sweet Cow twice today. Like, you were done. Like, um, but uh, I'll have to tell him about y'all, and uh, if one day we could. I also I, I try to get out west once a year to ski uh and i i, I need to start getting the, the kids out there some so uh maybe we'll actually make it happen one day 100 how, how old is brooks by the way well brooks is not uh he just turned nine, and he's all right Fe- I, I smell a future scooper it's, i do i cannot tell you how much that kid loves ice cream <laughs> and he eats everything really slow and he's really picky and even the foods he likes like he eats really slow and he takes his time but when you put ice cream from him it's gone and like 30 seconds or less. He just <laughs> hours. The, the focus is phenomenal. So, um, but yeah, he, he may, he may not be so good for our business. Now. Yeah, I know. You'd be, <laughs> exactly. Your food, yeah, your cost was <laughs> up pretty fast, but, uh, Hey guys, I really appreciate this a lot. Um, and by the way, I want to mention to those listening, uh, Drew told me before we started recording that he, at one point, uh, worked with Dave Query, and he was roommates with Rami Rossello in college. If you guys have uh, read any of our books or been listening to the podcast, you know about Dave and Rami. They're awesome. We love them. And uh, no surprise that here's one more person in that sort of family of folks out there uh, that we have a ton of respect for. Um, so they've just done great things and guys, both of y'all are awesome. And I, y'all are, I just really appreciate your time. I appreciate the way you run your business and I wish y'all a ton of success going forward. Thank you Thank so you much so Will, much, for having man. us. Absolutely. Thank you. Y'all take care. Have a good one. Have a good day. Okay. Be good.